Welcome to the Princeton Evangelical Free Church Podcast. I'm John Padno, the lead pastor here at PEFC, where it is our desire to equip people to grow together in Christ. Our hope is that this podcast is a help and an encouragement to you this week. May God bless you as you listen. Would you turn your Bibles open to Psalm 23 this morning? Psalm 23. As many of you are aware, I am coming back from a three-month sabbatical that I was able to take uh, with my family. And uh, during this time, I have done a lot of slowing down, a lot of digesting the things that the Lord would uh, bring my way, a lot of things that the Lord was kind of developing in me and revealing to me, and having time to really process that over with Him. And so uh, I thought it would be a good idea as I transition back that as I begin to ramp up to run with you, that you would maybe ramp down a little bit with me, and we could meet in the middle and then come together on this journey of life once again. We are looking over Psalm 23, very famous psalm, looking at the Lord as our shepherd. And uh, that's one of the questions I have. Do you believe, as David did, that God is in fact a good shepherd? Like he knows what he's doing. He's not uh, incapable of doing his job. He's not negligent, but he is in fact a good shepherd. If God is a good shepherd, what we looked at last week is that God is then our satisfaction. That the Lord, if he is a good shepherd, he can be my satisfaction. He can allow me to lie down in green, rich pastures to eat, bring me beside still waters to drink deeply. If the Lord is a good shepherd, I shall not want... Why? Because want will be consumed by thankfulness of being provided for. Not neglected or anything of the sort. And I think something that we need to realize, something that I needed to kind of wrestle with, is that the Lord as our shepherd is not the sheepdog who moves behind us, nipping at our heels. I gave an illustration of something that is all too common, I think, when with us. We ask, you know, how often do you go to church? How many times have you heard the answer, not enough? That is viewing God as the sheepdog, always nipping at our heels with our oughts. Ought to do, ought to do better. But that is not how the Lord Jesus leads us. He leads us out in front. He knows us by name. It's sort of like how many of you remember seeing your kids learning how to walk? How many of you as good parents seeing your kids learning how to walk, seeing them stumble, would you say, well, that was a stupid step. No wonder why you fell, right? We would never say that about our kids. But when they fell, you had a joy over them. Even when they were going towards the stairs, you thought, Well, now don't go by the stairs, but you set them up into a better place to walk. Something that we live other than Psalm 23 is the workaholic Psalm 23, and we're just going to go through this briefly. 
It says this, the Lord is my foreman and I shall not rest. He makes me mow down the green pastures and he leads me to generators beside rapid waters that he wears out my soul. He shoves me to conferences for my schedule's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of relaxation, I fear no chance of rest. For my feelings of guilt, they haunt me. Thou dost prepare a work table before me in the presence of my comrades. Thou hast filled my mind with worry. My workload overflows. Surely busyness and pressure will follow me all the days of my life. And I will run to and fro in the house of the Lord forever. How many of you at least resonate with one of those statements? I want you, with your Bibles open again, let's read aloud together the real Psalm 23. Ready? Go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me my Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have anointed men like David to communicate these very intimate attributes. As only David can, as a man who hid in caves to find refuge and security. David communicates this as a man who knew what it took to be a shepherd for sheep. And so, Father God, I pray that this work that you desire to do in us this morning, that you would have your will and your way, that your words would be spoken and not mine. Father God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. Amen. As we begin, we're going to look at verse 4 here. And part of verse 5, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And the first part that we come to is that he is walking through a pretty dangerous place. Now, I think if there's something that we all have in common in this room is that all of us have that relative that has that really creepy basement. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They have that staircase, and of course the stairs always has the holes in the steps, and I don't want to give any kids nightmares, but the holes, you know that if you have a kind brother and sister, they grab your ankles, right? You flick off the lights, you jet up those stairs out of fear of being grabbed, and yet in this darkness, as David depicts it, he can walk. There is sort of a certainty, a calm march in all of it. And he walks through the valley, not just in the valley, but through the valley of the shadow of death. 
The perspective is one that has a goal in which we are just passing through. Now, the picture that I have up here to kind of illustrate this is from my time in Israel that I was able to take uh, because I was able to go on sabbatical. Now, this is a view from the top of Mount Carmel where Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal. And so up on top of this building, you actually see these signposts that tell you where different things are. And straight up ahead of you, where you are looking, is the valley where Armageddon is pictured. Where this big battle will ensue and the blood of uh, the enemies will rise up to the bridle of the horses. And if you look straight across, you can actually see Nazareth from there. Now this valley, to kind of illustrate this, this is from the Nazareth side looking at Mount Carmel. And here we see what David would know of as a valley in Israel. Now tell me, if you were to walk through this valley, would you be able to be seen from miles around? Absolutely. There would be no sneaking up whatsoever that would happen here. You are almost at the mercy of anybody, anything that would pray to ambush you. And yet David said, this is where we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. All around us things could ambush us, and yet he says, I will fear no evil. Who here is afraid of a shadow? Anybody? Who here is afraid of death? You see, the shadow of death presumes that there is a light coming from somewhere. Death is merely a shadow because we have the light of the world guiding us. Did David know of evil during his time? He says, I fear no evil. Did David think that the world was all rainbows and butterflies and unicorns? The first picture that I show was actually the wilderness where David hid from a king who was absolutely psycho and crazy. These were the still waters that he stood behind. This is where he lived at times in order to hide from King Saul. And King Saul would say, come on out, I can be your security. And he said, no. In the wilderness of Engedi, he said, no, the Lord is my security and he has provided everything that I need right here. Did David even see the evil of his own sin in his life? He absolutely did as he suffered the pain of the loss of a child. And yet, how can he say that he will fear no evil? You see, I think so much of our life, we try to escape from any sort of pain. Pain and suffering makes us Squirm, and, and it is a pressure that causes us to fight or flight or flee. And yet Christ in those moments says, I want to be your security. I want you to press in to me in those moments. You see, Jesus promises us peace, but if when we have fear or when we are threatened, we go and seek all other sort of security from either people or things, 
There is no wonder why we don't have Jesus's peace. No, beloved, it's not that we shouldn't take medicines or trust others, but if we never seek Jesus's peace in those moments, we will never taste and see that the Lord is good, that he is in fact the good shepherd he proclaims to be. When I think of this idea of having no fear, I think of a childlike faith. I had to go deep into the archives to find this picture. Back in the day, circa 2004-2005, I skateboarded like every other kid my age did. I mean, we grew up with Tony Hawk. It was the thing to do. This is a 180 front side boneless that I'm doing on a mini ramp that my friend took a picture of. I didn't start skateboarding really till I was like 16, 17, 18. So every time I would go to the skate park, and Tommy, Pastor Tommy can attest to this, because we've gone to the skate park together. But every time you go to the skate park, you see some grown men like us kind of doing our little tricks. But you see these little kids, and we call them little skater rats. Because they're always at the skate park, and they are good. But let me tell you why these skateboarders, these little kids, are so good at skateboarding. Because they have no fear of getting hurt whatsoever. <laughs> they will try everything at full speed because they don't really have the concept of breaking a bone and how that's really going to hurt. <laughs> and yet that is, that is childlike faith. Right? Going full speed because you don't have fear because you have this trust. But only as Christians, we don't have a trust in something not worth trusting, like our own stupidity and arrogance. But we have the Lord. And that's why he says, I fear no evil. Why? Because the Lord as shepherd, he's not just in front of me, but he is with me by my side. Everyone say, God is with me. When we forget that, we will have fear. Absolutely. But if we're walking next to God, whom shall we fear? But as John said, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. It causes us to be able to say whether it is uh, sort of a dying to self in this life or ultimately coming to the doorstep of death. We can say with Paul, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is nothing but gain. As Christians, we can find comfort in the uncomfortable. David says this, that the Lord's rod and his staff, everyone say rod and staff, they comfort me. I'm going to play out a little bit of attention here for each one of these, for the Lord's rod and his staff. What would the Lord use, or a shepherd use, a rod or a staff for? I would say first it would be to count the sheep. Maybe to number them off one by one. The Lord as shepherd with his rod and his staff, he knows your names. Now, the uncomfortable in the Lord knowing your name is if you're like me, how many of you like to stand in the back of the classroom? 
right? That seat is yours. And if you make yourself known in the classroom, what's scary about that is you might get called on and you might actually have to answer the question. And so I think for some of us, we're a little bit scared that the Lord knows our name because he might call us to do something. See, if you are Jesus' sheep, he knows you by name and knows everything about you. You cannot hide anything from him. You cannot be in the corner of the classroom and he doesn't know about you. But the comfort in this is that the Lord cares for you so deeply and so intimately that he knows you by name. You are not, beloved, you are not lost in a sea of many, but you have been found. You are a treasure. He rejoices over you. He sings over you. And I know that there are people in this room who would say, there's no way I believe that God rejoices in me in this moment. But I tell you the truth. If you are his, he rejoices in you. He is so glad that you have come to know him. The Lord with his rod, he counts, but he also keeps a pace with his rod and his staff. To know when to lie down, to know when to keep moving, to know when we need to flee from sin, to rest in his presence, to know when we need to be restored and when we need to keep striving. And the uncomfortable is there are times where we would like to think that we have arrived. Anybody? And we need no more growth in our lives, if only that were true. Some of us have believed the lie that we can chalk up our sin as nothing more than vices or personality traits. But the comfort we have is each one of us is on our own journey with the Lord. Your journey is not going to look like my journey. Your journey is not going to look like the person next to you's journey. So before you compare yourself to somebody else and say, oh, they're further along, think about where the Lord brought you from. Where did he start with you? Because that's not the same place that he started with somebody else. God uses his rod and his staff to keep us on a path, a loving discipline that can guide us and bring us back, a power to lift us out of the pit and the traps that we fall into. The uncomfortable in this is to have God's rod of discipline on us feels very uncomfortable. There is a pressure to it. It forces us to move and to turn from things that we are chasing that are not right for us. It forces us to change. How many of you love change in your life? The Lord's rod and his staff, it closes doors right in front of us that we think we're going to walk through. And that makes us uncomfortable, amen? And yet the comfort in this is this, that the change is actually better for you and for your season of life that there are better doors for you to go through and there are better paths to travel down as God intentionally leads us. You give a kid a stick, any kid in this room, especially the boys, you give a kid a stick, what's he going to do with it? It automatically becomes a weapon, right? <laughs> the Lord has his rod and his staff 
to protect us as a defense. To protect us from outside evil, as well as to protect us from ourselves. And at times we'd like to believe that we have no enemies, and there is no evil, and it's all just made up, right? Some would like to think that they can provide their own defense, but are tired from trying to defend themselves. But the truth is, we do have a real enemy, and God is a better fortress of refuge than I could ever build on my own. That God has given us real weapons for a real battle that surrounds us every single day. This week, as I met with a counselor, he reminded me a little bit of what my job as a shepherd is. And I thought about that as I was studying this passage. My job as a shepherd, pastor of Princeton Evangelical Free Church is a lot like the great shepherd Jesus. Right? My job is to know your name. My job is to know your quirks. That is to say, when the lightning strikes, what do you do? What do you do when there's conflict? What do you do when you're uncomfortable? My job is to feed you the richness of doctrine centered on Christ and to protect you from false teachers. And it's also my job to know that I'm not Jesus and that there's many of you. And God willing, the Lord would add to our number daily so I cannot be the only shepherd. Amen? God has, even still as we think about all the years of Princeton Preachers, some of you have been here since day one. God has from our midst raised up skilled shepherds, past and presently. And church, if I accept my God-given limitation, and you accept this God-given limitation, we both will be able to receive God's gift of leaders he is empowering to do his work among us and in our community. I want you to think about that this week. What does it look like to be a church that just doesn't have one person who's a shepherd, but has many shepherds leading and guiding and feeding and leading? A shepherd for you who may not be or have the title pastor, but knows you by name, who meets with you, knows exactly where you are, and wants to walk with you side by side. David says this as we continue in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I want you to close your eyes and imagine this for a second. Imagine that you leave this place, you go home, you take a nap, of course. You get up from your nap, and you decide, I am starving, it's time to go out to eat. So you do whatever you can, you get ready, you get in your car, you go to your favorite restaurant, 
And as you go, the waitress brings you to your table, you sit down, you finally have a drink, you've ordered an appetizer, and then you begin to look around the room of this restaurant. And in that moment, you see an ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend or two. And they're sitting at some tables, maybe just, just along the way. They saw you walk in, you already ordered an appetizer. You look again around the room, you're getting nervous, you see that gym class and recess bully sitting at a table just down the row. Ah, he saw you walk into. You're sure of it. And if that isn't bad enough, sitting at the bar, there is your coworker or boss that made you dread going to work every single day. How comfortable do you feel in this moment? Sitting at a table in the presence of your enemies. You can open your eyes. I know some of you, you don't have any ex-boyfriends or girlfriends. That means nothing to you. You know, it's one thing to survive evil and even the shadow of death, but it's quite another thing to have it all be turned into a victory. That's what he talks about here. The truth of the gospel is this. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee is going to bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That is to say, what David says is that our joy cannot be taken away even in death or in the presence of our greatest enemies because the presence of God is greater. See, beloved, if we are God's children, we will have enemies. But as Jesus says in John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace, and in the world you will have what? Tribulation. But take heart, because why? I have overcome the world. You see, beloved, as we begin to close this morning, uh, sometimes you are in conflict, not because there is something wrong with you, but because you stand with Jesus. That is why you're in conflict. So do not be frightened. Do not think that something strange is happening to you, but take hold of the security that is already available to you through Christ. So our last sort of application as we begin to go home is this. Exercise your faith that you have security in Christ by doing what? How do you exercise your faith of security that you already have received in Christ. I would say this. Don't give in to the voice that tells you to give up when things and people, I say people, parents, when people don't go according to plan. Don't give in to the voice that says, just give it up, throw it all away, and throw your hands up, as if you're helpless or hopeless. Exercise your security you have in Christ that when you find yourself not living under and in the security found in Christ, recognize that you have been set free to return to the mighty fortress 
that is our God. Some of you have been living outside of the security found in Christ. Some of you, the Lord is going to make you aware of that. But it's important that you know that you can always run to Jesus. You can always come back underneath the security. There's always restoration and repentance found in Jesus. And he desires that. He loves that. Beloved, because of the hope we have in the life and work of Christ, death becomes merely a front porch of a cabin that we have so longed for. And as we open that eternal door, we find a final rest at the table of someone who journeyed with us through it all, the Lord. A friend and companion who has shared all of life with us, the joys and laughter, the sorrow and the tears. I believe as we live in cabin country, that's our desire for a cabin. It's really our desire for God's rest, his satisfaction, his security, and what we'll talk about next week, success that can only be found in him. So as you leave this place, you may have received Jesus Christ as your Lord, but have you received him as your security? Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you again for who you are, that we can find a security in you. The unmovable, unchangeable, faithful God of the universe. Father God, I pray that you would continue to impress upon our hearts and our minds of what it looks like for you to be our shepherd in this season of life. There's many people who are experiencing all sorts of things, and maybe, maybe it's simply a shepherd who gives us rest to digest some things in our life. Maybe it is experiencing you as a shepherd who calms our anxiety and our fear and actually gives us a peace about what we're going through right now. I wonder if somebody in this room needs to taste and see your goodness as really, in fact, the person who is in charge of the world, who is, in fact, in control, who, in fact, has capable hands to do things that we could never do on our own. So, Father God, as we leave this place, I pray that we would taste and see your goodness. And that we would, with thankful minds and lips and hearts, respond in worship. In Jesus Christ's holy and powerful name I pray. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. And consider subscribing and sharing with others. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please go to PrincetonFree.com. God bless.